You're listening to the About Consent Podcast, episode number seven. Welcome to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. I am so beyond excited to have Melissa Pinter Carnegie on today to discuss all the aspects of why it's important to talk to our kids about sex as part of consent education. We cannot leave the topic of sexuality off the table when we are talking about body safety. And although it's a topic that many parents cringe at thinking about having to deal with, if you listen to Melissa, you will be put at ease. She's a wonderful sex educator. Uh, She is the founder of Sex Positive Families, which is an organization that teaches parents, adults, and sexual health advocates about sexual health topics. And in fact, she regularly models consent with her own family because that is part of sexual health. This teaches her children that no one is entitled to anybody's body, that they deserve to be heard no matter their age. And if you follow Melissa on Instagram, I'm sure you'll agree her content is amazing. She is truly an educator. And I've learned so much from Melissa. I can't wait for you to hear this interview to learn about all the different topics that we're discussing and how it will empower you in your conversations with your families. Sex Positive Families provides parents and caring adults with the education, resources, and support to raise sexually healthy children using a shame-free, comprehensive, and pleasure-positive approach. And I am definitely all for that. So without further ado, here is my interview with Melissa Pintor-Carnegie. Okay, so Melissa, I am so thrilled that you're here. I have to be honest, I'm kind of a fangirl. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. I know we can go back a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I, well, I think it's been over a year because it was last summer, perhaps, that um, I came across, oh no, actually it was last spring, so 2018 in the spring, um, I came upon your Instagram page and immediately was enthralled with consuming all of your content because it's so full of educational, very unbiased information. Like it was uh, the first time that I had come across um, sex positivity, really, frankly, in education. And I'd been looking, you know, it wasn't that I, um, this was, this was quite new to me. And especially um, being Latinx, like someone of color, um, it was just really empowering to find others in the space who were also sex positive and was really a new concept for me with my kids. So I was really excited to find you. And um, I wanted to, you know, I want to introduce my audience to you. I know many of them actually know you and that's how they know me. Um, So it's been a really wonderful like cross pollination. Um, But for those who don't know you and uh, you know, or just tuning in to hear about you for the first time. I would love for them to learn about your journey because I know a little bit about it. And uh, I think it's also inspiring how you took this really big leap to make a change. And it was, you know, I remember watching your stories at one point, you said, you know, take the risks and do the thing that you're passionate about, because if you believe in yourself, you can do it. And I remember hearing that and really it, it was empowering. So I love your journey. I would love for you to share a little bit more about how you went um, from really, you know, you were working in nonprofit and social work and then moved into becoming a full-time sex educator and, and founding sex positive families. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, thank you for having me and um, 
it has definitely been a journey. It's been a little over, I guess, close to two and a half years now, something like that, uh, since I made that transition. And I was a social worker. I was working um, in the field of sexual health, specifically HIV and sexually transmitted infections. I'd been doing that for um, a little over 10 years at the time that I made that transition. And so I had mainly been in nonprofit and then I had transitioned to state government. And being in state government, I thought that that was kind of where you land. You get the benefits, you make a macro level impact. I thought that that was where I was going to go to pasture ultimately in my career. And when I got there, I was there for you know, a little over two years and I felt like the cubicle, you know, was just too, too small and too tight for me. And I thought that I had, was failing, you know, mm. um, because, you know, again, all signs pointed to this is where you go to have, you know, a different influence in the work. Right. And right. so I, but I, but I did, I listened to kind of what my soul was telling me. I had been looking into coaching um, and I started to, in one of the, in the coaching program that I was in, they asked in one of my homework assignments, they asked, what is something that really fires you up, that really lights you up? Because that could be kind of a pathway to figuring out what your niche is in, in coaching. And one of the two things that immediately came to mind was pleasure as it relates to young girls. Uh, because I am a parent and my oldest child, who's now 20, uh, I have raised her with attention to her sexual health and with an understanding of her rights to pleasure because of my own personal journey, which very much was influenced by growing up um, Latinx and Black and, and having Catholic you know, in influence. And so it was more repressed, more silence when it comes to sex and bodies, I didn't have anyone talking to me about these things at an early age. Sex was very sensationalized. It was, it was on TV, but we had to close our eyes and turn around and all of that stuff. And so I just knew, you know, becoming a parent at a young age, I knew I wanted to do things differently, especially having uh, a child with a vulva. And so uh, knowing that pleasure was really important to me, I, it was just kind of like a chain of events that ultimately led me to say, you know what, I don't belong here, you know, in this state structure, this is feeling too limiting. I'm not exactly sure where I need to be next, but I need to step away from this to get some space. Okay. I was able to do that. I have a very supportive partner. So thankfully I was able to, to step away and it, and it wasn't, but you know, a couple weeks of stepping away and getting that space that I, um, started to conceptualize what is now sex positive families. And so I wasn't in sex ed at the, t at that time I was in sexual health, you know, as a, working in case management and in disease surveillance and all of that stuff. And so sex ed became, you know, part of that, that transition. And, and I knew that I wanted to work with parents mm. because I knew that there are a lot of parents that struggle with, how to have these conversations, how to create an environment, a home culture that is supportive of sexual health. A lot of parents are dealing with uh, trauma experiences and dealing with their own lack of sex ed, of quality, comprehensive sex ed. So, um, it, you know, it was just a realization that like there are things that are, I've practiced over years that I've, that feel very, uh, natural and I've, I've had a chance to see the positive results, you know, now having someone that's an adult that is, you know, sex positive herself. And, right. um, and then I have a nine-year-old son, you know, now and a six-year-old bonus son. So also then getting to see what it is like to raise uh, children with penises and, and from a young age, younger than I even started with my daughter, you know, now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having all of this behind me at the time, I was like, you know, I, I, I know that I can make an impact in this area. 
So and that's why you have. <laughs> yeah, that's really where SPF was born. And you know, the power of social media. I, w- I hadn't. Even, I wasn't even on social media five years before I started SPF, but I knew that that's how you reach people. That's how mm-hmm. you know you you can connect with people, and that's absolutely what's happened. It's grown, and just the community has been just amazing to connect with so many other parents, caring adults, youth and family serving professionals, people that are wanting to do differently than was done for them Mm -hmm. and are just needing some support, some guidance, some reassurance, um, some next steps, some resources. And that's, uh, that's what I've been able to do with SPF. And then also in the mix of that, I, um, I I work full time, I have a full time job, Uh, that is in sex ed. So I'm super honored to be able to do that. That happened in the midst of building SPF. You know, I was like, well, like, I got to start actually making money again. I was only able to take, you know, a break for so many months. And then, you know, in looking at jobs in sex ed, I found a position with a global reproductive health organization. And so um, I, it's allowed me to teach sex ed to young people in the classroom. So then that's given me a whole nother perspective of seeing what it's, you know, other, other people's children, other young people, you know, not just my own, but seeing uh, their amazing curiosities and what happens when safe spaces are curated and created and facilitated that allow them to be able to ask the questions, to be able to have the conversations, to learn the information, the knowledge, the tools, the skills uh, for consent, for healthy relationships, for their body, inclusive language, the gender spectrum. So I, I, mm-hmm. I have a chance to teach in a classroom. Um, and now I'm at, I've, I've transitioned to teaching other educators. So now um, I'm a training and education coordinator with the organization. And so I teach other professionals how to provide sex education in comprehensive and inclusive uh, pleasure, positive and fun ways. So it has been a journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I am so grateful for every bit of it. Yeah, no, I that's awesome. I want to just congratulate you on following your, your, your soul and your, your inner voice because, you know, the evidence is there that you are where you're supposed to be. Like the, you, the community behind you, it's evident that you are providing so much value. And I really love the fact that you get that opportunity to talk to young people and to help them directly and get that feedback because you're, you can – see where the gaps are, where parents aren't teaching, and you're, you're reaching on both ends. You're being able to educate on both ends of that. And now also to educate educators, like mm-hmm. that's amazing. So congratulations for all the work that you're doing. And I loved watching over the last year since I started following you, and I took your, your course as well, which was really eye-opening um, and so helpful for me in my own journey to you know, teach my kids, but also to really uh, reframe parenting in a, in, in a big way, because I think we underestimate how much that is a part of our parenting. Mm-hmm. It's, it seeps into all of the values, right, that we hold. And when we don't examine them ourselves, and we're just like autopilot teaching our kids, it, you know, it can, if unfortunately, we don't take that time to, to examine um, we're just repeating what we learned, which was sex negative typically. And yeah, so there's so many great things and watching your journey over the last year and, you know, you've been published now in, you know, been featured in, in many articles and, um, many podcasts. I love hearing, um, you know, people spotlighting you. I know you were in, um, the raw network talk. You went and did a talk there. Um, and I found out about, raw which is an awesome organization as well so just so many good good things are happening for you so i'm just really happy that you followed your bliss because look where you are now (laughs) thank you i know and that that is why i i i am just such an advocate for that when folks even seem to have an inkling of like there's something i really want to be doing you know but i'm but i feel like i have to do xyz you know Mm -hmm. to provide or to do this but I have this calling or this, you know, go for it, go for it, say yes, take those steps. Uh, You will not, you will not regret it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, 
we, you touched on one of my next questions, which was about, you know, what led you to create those sex positive spaces, but you, I'd love to kind of rewind because you mentioned, you know, the way that you grew up um, with the, with religion being involved in, I don't want to isolate it to Catholicism because I think most religions have some kind of sex negative perspective, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not the type that's going to condemn someone's religion and say, you've got to like throw it out with the baby water. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think it's important to examine those beliefs that that belief system about sexuality and how it infuses our value systems. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about what made you want to make that, that shift? Was there something specific that you realized, you know, this influenced me and I had negative experiences or I had, um, you know, just a really different understanding of sexuality before I actually, like, what made you even get into wanting to educate on sexual health even, you know, what was that catalyst maybe is the question. Yeah, I feel like um, having been a young parent, so I uh, became pregnant when I was 17 and when I look back on, and, and this, I was in, I'm in Texas, <laughs> and so anyone who's either in Texas or knows anything about Texas, it, it is a much more conservative um, state. It is pretty much on, it's on the worst end of all the lists <laughs> that are out there for like, you know, how states are doing and things. And it is one of the states that does not mandate um, sex ed and Mm. when it is uh when sex ed is taught in public schools it requires the sex ed to be abstinence focused so um so again it's you know i what i did receive i barely remember but it was definitely about shame and fear and you know stis and uh it was not about empowering young people within their sexuality and their sexual health and in their bodies and an understanding of of consent and all that. So I know looking back that if I had had support and education and information that I would have made different choices when it came to my own sexual decision-making when it came to what I sought after in terms of relationships and connection with others so that's really what, you know, for sure motivated me and intrigued me about sexual health and sexuality. I mean, I was, I was very curious about sex because, you know, that thing that you're not allowed to talk about or that right. you're not allowed access to, yeah. you become much more curious about and often in secretive ways. So back then, you know, there wasn't Pornhub, uh, but there was HBO Real Sex. And so I would watch HBO Real Sex in Which was a great show. <laughs> it was wonderful. It just is a lot of information. You know? yeah, yeah. It's a lot of information and it's not exactly, you know, uh, similar to Pornhub in the sense that that's, if there's no one there that's helping you to make sense of what you're seeing, right? then that it's going to send a lot of really confusing and conflicting and in, imbalanced, you know, messages yeah. around yeah. these things. And so... So yeah, that, that really had a lot to do with it was just um, realizing that there were some significant gaps in my knowledge and awareness of my own body, of other people's bodies, and of my own power, my own inherent worthiness of sexuality, of safety, and these are skills and knowledge that can be taught, and when it is taught, as I learned through my own parenting journey and as I learned through, you know, working with uh, other young people and with parents, once you open up those conversations, once you provide access to that information and you do it in a very just matter of fact, you know, shame free, taboo free way, it's like any other topics and subjects that we spend so much time teaching people about, you know, you gain more confidence in it, Mm -hmm. gain Mm -hmm. more competence in it. And you're better able to make decisions that are in line with developing values. And you realize that, oh, I, I am in control and I can, I can choose my own adventure when it comes to this. And you're not doing it from a place of mystery or risky risk taking, 
because you have all the facts. And it's like, well, oh yeah, you know, I'm not really ready for that. Or that, that's yeah. not really in line. Or when I'm ready, I know what to do. I have the tools and the resources. So I can be more confident in it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting that um, when I look back at when I found you, it, part of it was because my partner has no trauma history in comparison to myself and grew up actually in a pretty sex neutral home. Like it wasn't something that was really discussed at length, but it also wasn't hidden. So if somebody wanted access to information, they would, you know, the parent would help that, you know, that child to, to access the age appropriate information. So my partner's experience with sexuality was completely different than mine. And when it came to raising our children, I was always like, I noticed that there would be things where he would say, you know, um, like using the right terminology and I would kind of cringe just a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. And I considered myself pretty sex positive to start with. And when I was realizing, wait a minute, like I'm still cringing about these things and thinking, oh, maybe they're too young to know this. And I just didn't know what was appropriate or not appropriate. And um, having those fears, like I needed to like seek out help and support and, and, and some guidance. Right. And so that was really uh, one of the things that was so empowering about your content is that it was shame free and it was sex positive. And I realized because I have three self-identifying boys at the moment, they're, they're identifying that way, but they are curious. Right. And it's also very much a household of all, penis owners. So now I'm like, okay, I have to kind of get comfortable with that because there was so much that was triggering for me mm -hmm. as I started this education journey. And I kept wanting to kind of pull away because it's, it's a scary topic for someone who has experienced trauma, right? So mm -hmm. in terms of being shame-free and judgment-free, that was really important for me. And the way that you educate is, is exactly like you said, it's very matter of fact. And it took that sort of tension and stress away when I realized, okay, this is okay to talk about just because it didn't happen with me. Um, I just need, you know, and, and giving all the tools to parents to be able to do that was just always so empowering. And I've also found that with your content, um, it's not just about being clinical, you know, it's about also talking about pleasure. And, um, and that was, it's almost radical in today's world because, and it, you know, the dichotomy of that, right? Like we're saturated with sexuality in the media, in music. There's, you know, people can't bring themselves to talk about it. So they have innuendos mm -hmm. and, you know, and it seeps through that sex negativity seeps through in ways that we don't even realize. Like I was joking the other day and saying something about naughty bits, like not to my kids, but to my husband. And he's like, is like, you know, that's not sex positive, like jokingly back, you know, joke, yeah, just yeah. playing around. And I'm like, but in truth it's not. And we still use it. And we don't realize like when we're not conscious of it, we may be uh, influencing our kids through the beliefs that we've held, right? So this was just a really great introduction to sex positivity for me at a young age to say, you know, it's not just reproduction. Like a lot of people want to just keep it there and say like, you know, sex is just for <laughs> making babies, um, which also excludes a lot of people out of the conversation. Absolutely. Yep. You know, so that was also really eye-opening and so educational. In terms of, you know, the you know, sexual health and, and pleasure positive versus fear-based education around sexuality. Do you find that there are still a lot of educators in the space who are teaching it that way? And, or is this, or is there a trend that's actually moving in the direction of more sex positivity? That's an interesting question because again, it, 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 sex education can look very differently state to state, and I'm talking about the U.S., but and outside of the U.S., you know, in different countries, it can look very differently. Mm. Um, I'll speak in terms of the U.S. So in the U.S., you'll have states that operate differently in terms of what they, they may mandate, and that generally relates to their public school systems. 
but not all young people are in public schools. You know, there are lots mm. of young people that are in private schools or alternative schools or charter schools or home schools or unschool, right? So there's that. And, and each jurisdiction or district or, you know, they all can, can operate differently. And then, yes, you're going to have different educators who bring their own values. They bring themselves, you know, mm-hmm. to, to the classroom. So it's very hard to really gauge or account for what is really happening in all sex ed scenarios. There are curriculums out there, curricula that are more on the comprehensive side, that are more on the abstinence only or, or sexual risk avoidance as they've recently changed the, the name to, but it's the same thing. Um, and so that's one measure, you know, is, is what curricula is being used because then generally that will guide what topics are taught, how they're taught, um, and how the spaces are facilitated. And deep, but even within that, you know, there there still are going to be educators that uh, can benefit from training and education that helps them to stay attuned to how they're delivering the content. And when we talk about inclusivity. Uh, particularly in regards to LGBTQ plus youth and, and inclusive ways of talking about bodies so that, you know, we're, we're breaking that, that binary and the heteronormativity around things. There still can be, from my experience in working with different educators, there's always room for growth. There's mm-hmm. all, because so much, like you were mentioning before, this is, has been conditioned and has been ingrained. And there's a lot of new uh, terminology that's that we're being presented with around identity mm-hmm. and uh, so you you really you know looking at different curricula and what they focus on what they teach funding drives that a lot of times so you can sex ed can be taught but if it's a teen pregnancy prevention focus if it's an HIV education focus then that may be leaving out things like consent in right. education. It may be leaving things out in terms of healthy relationships or um, assertive communication um, or anatomy. And it may be focusing on, again, what that funding is driving, the initiative right. that it's driving. And so it's, it's a really nuanced thing. And mm-hmm. it, and it, it shouldn't be right. <laughs> all yeah. of this stuff is like, re- you know, is like, should be really like, look, this, these are bodies. These are parts. This is what they're called, right? These are functions of the body. Uh, these are identities. But then again, it's just so uh, because of that intersection of sex, you know, yeah. that is, yeah. goes, you know, again, back to uh, a lot of the puritanical influences and it's mm-hmm. yeah there's there's so many layers to yeah it. so it's hard to it's hard to to tell and to know so what one thing I talk to parents about is you know them getting to know if their children are receiving education outside of the home then it's important that they get to know where their school uh is when it comes to sexuality education right. uh, and knowing if they're teaching a curriculum what does that look like or when does that happen? Because it's not, some schools will teach a curriculum, but maybe they'll just start in eighth grade or sixth grade, but they are not doing, you know, it should be a lifespan thing because sexuality is lifespan, but Mm -hmm. we're not there, you know, like some other parts of the world. And so, yeah, it's something that parents need to kind of be attuned to is what's going on. What are you, what messages are your children receiving so that, you can be clear about where you can fill in some gaps because right. we have greater influence with them than schools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it, to an extent, it starts to almost get political because it's like sure. who's in power and what are their values and that's going to help dictate like you were saying. But at the same time, um, it's all the more reason why parents need to, you know, as you mentioned in so much, so much of your education, uh, of your training, is that parents should really try to become the leading authority mm-hmm. in the home um, and this, the resource that they that children want to come to um, for guidance, right? So even if the, the parent doesn't always have to know everything, but they can help guide, 
you know, where to access the information and the, the right kind of information. So you can learn because, yeah, because otherwise, I mean, you're allowing everything else to become that source mm -hmm. of information, which, you know, do you really want to do that? <laughs> so we're receiving messages about sexuality uh, because sexuality isn't all about sex. Mm -hmm. They're receiving messages about sexuality from the moment that they, they are born, that they exit and they enter this world. Right. And yeah. so, when parents, when that really clicks for parents and they become aware that they have been teaching their young people about sexuality already, you know, mm -hmm. then they're like, wow, okay, let me examine what messages have I been sending either yeah. directly or indirectly. And that, it, you know, them knowing that their own sexual health journey is critical, you know, for them to be attuned to so that they can then expand out to yeah. what they're doing with their children. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And speaking of, um, you know, the, the journey that parents will go through, I mean, uh, for me, my audience is mostly uh, those who have experienced trauma and have trauma histories. And so it's, uh, you know, the reason why I'm so adamant about teaching about consent. What is your perspective on consent education? I mean, I, I don't, even know if many schools specifically teach it. I know that, you know, I was watching um, a documentary on, uh, I think it was through Vice on HBO, where there's uh, some states are fighting against, you know, teaching this as a part of, you know, because of the Me Too movement, right? And this is on everyone's radar now. Should we be teaching this at least in high school? And then it becomes well, if we're teaching that, then that means we have to talk about sex. And then, you know, people pull away because they're like, well, we don't really want to be talking about that because then we're going to be maybe, what's the word, promoting sexuality, right? Or promoting sexual engagement. And so they are pulling away from it. But what is your perspective on the current state of consent education, either in schools or at home? Like, do you feel that parents are really thinking about that long term? Because I know there's parents that come to me for, you know, body safety with their kids when they're young, mm -hmm. um, which is great, but it's still like they think it's this one moment in time where they have to protect their kids. And it's like, no, you're teaching them about long-term mm -hmm. relationships, mm -hmm. uh, boundaries, and respecting each, you know, respecting the autonomy of someone and having someone respect yours. So I look at it long-term, but... Mm -hmm you have this really um, like it opened my eyes even to the way that we, you know, talk to our kids and stuff. Um, so what is your, like, before I get into, <laughs> I keep asking you a million questions. <laughs> so what about this? So what, what is your perspective on it? And, and is it something that parents should be doing more of, or mm -hmm. is it like, should they start in, you know, sex ed and then go into that? How do you feel that it fits? Yeah. Great question. So consent is, is a life skill. Consent is not just about sex. So again, consent is one of those things that is being taught from the moment a child exits and, and enters, you know, their world, they're learning messages about boundaries and limits and uh, yeses and nos, right? And how to navigate interpersonal relationships with people with their caregivers um, and so again when we get clear about that fact that it's not just about sex and that it will become about sex as that progresses in terms and generally like around pre-puberty and definitely into puberty and stuff and so we don't even we don't even want to wait till high school it's not so it's not about uh, consent education is not something that needs to be nuanced or separated and started at a certain age. One thing I talk about is dinner table, right? So at, at dinner time um, and at and at play time, inter, interpersonal relationships, you know, uh, these are moments where we're helping them to understand their their own limits and the limits of others and how to respect that. And that really starts with getting them in touch with their feelings and their emotions and understanding the sensations of their own body and how comfortable they are with that. And so feeding, dinner time, all of that can be opportunities that 
are about consent. And so when they can learn to trust their own body and what their body's telling them, then they gain the ability to set limits confidently, to also be attuned to the limits of others. So it's not just about saying no or saying yes. Uh, so all, all of these things, again, this has nothing to do with sex. And so it's so important that parents are aware that consent education is a life skill. You're preparing them to navigate life and relationships and a relationship with themselves in healthy, satisfying, safe ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting that when I remember I took your course for the first time, you had talked about um, even the way that adults, because they may not have been aware of the way that they were pushing their child's boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, even with just something like saying pretty please mm -hmm. and how that can erode, you know, uh, that, that child's boundaries and teaching them that, you know, if somebody like somebody else's uh, feelings uh, to pleasing them is more important. Like just those little things are not related to sex, but you're teaching about that in a sex ed, uh, you know, parenting group. And I just, it like, was the first time I had heard that. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. Like it's so, we do this so unconsciously because that's, you know, how we were raised. And I mean, I was talking to you before the podcast started about the concept of even colonization and how that has affected the way that we believe our children belong to us, that their rights are limited. And, you know, so there's just so many layers to it. And I think much about power dynamics, power dynamics. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, I, I just, I love that you're always talking about that as well with children. It's like, just because they are children doesn't mean that they're not persons with rights. And that's always a powerful statement to see when you're, you know, posting about that or talking about that. Um, what, what has the feedback been from the community in respect to not just consent, but all of the kind of sex positive education and particularly for um, spaces for people of color where I don't find many educators, unfortunately, are still, you know, you're one of the few. Um, and, I, and because of you, I've been finding more and more. So I love that you're always raising and elevating those voices there are, there are many people who've been doing this work long before me who uh, are doing this work in other spaces or in communities and maybe aren't you know, out on social media with it. Um, and so in no way do I think that you know, I'm starting something that you know, is never existed per se. You know, there's lots of people that are doing this really great work, important work that are folks of color, black and brown folks. But I think that it's, I think that, and it's something that I've had to kind of grapple with. I think that because of how I've presented it and it began with less um, overt messaging in terms of the intersections of race, mm -hmm. I do believe that it created what felt like a safer space mm. for white people. And so my audience, certainly in, in all of its beginnings, was very, a, a lot of white people. And I did not put myself, my face at the center of, of it all. I, you know, wasn't called Melissa Carnegie, you know, coaching right. or anything like that, right? So I think, uh, unfortunately, I use that word kind of, you know, I think that sex positive families really began and still to some degree has some growth in there, you know, that, mm. that's, that's necessary, but it really definitely began not truly addressing the intersections that do exist for folks of color. And then as I started to grow and develop, and as I continue to, in terms of my understanding of how race and identity and history and all of those things play into bodies 
and sexualization and, and um, safety and how that looks differently for mm -hmm. people based on culture and, and identity and, all, all of, and, and the politics around all of that and white supremacy, all of these layers. As I become more clear about that myself and what that's looked like and how that's impacted you know, my world and then it definitely has come out in, in the work more. Mm -hmm. At this point, I have hooked a lot of, pe <laughs> a lot of people and, and certainly I, I noticed that when I do talk about, when I do get very clear and overt about the intersections of race and white supremacy, I can notice shifts, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. some people don't want to, don't want to see that, don't want to hear that, don't want to understand their role and their part in this, and certainly as people raising other young people. Mm -hmm. But I know that this is what needs, this is, this is the truth. These are, this is information that, that and conversations that need to be had. So right. just, you know, full disclosure, this is, this is all just, again, part of, part of a journey of, of learning how much our identities really influence and, and impact uh, sexuality yes. and sexual health and that those things cannot be separated. They can't be neutralized. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are a lot of white educators. There are a lot of white women identified sexuality educators who serve families, who have these platforms and they often are not talking about these topics because it's like they don't have to, you know, right. it, when I say talking about topics, but the intersections of race and white supremacy, you know, um, you're, I'm starting to see it more, but I think, I think it's often because now there's a, a voice, a, a, you know, what's seen as a bigger voice is in terms of the online spaces that is starting to push that. Right. Know? So right. I'm happy to be a part of that you know, push and that nudging. And also because I am black and brown, you know, myself, having these conversations is not, it's not this, it's not just a post, you know, or it's not just a one time thing. Like I am having, I am living and grappling with these things myself and yeah. the intersections of these things. And so finding that balance, you know, even within myself of this, this content and how it will impact me and, and my family and my identity. Uh, yeah, I, I love that, um, you know, it's, it's an evolution because, mm -hmm. you know, if we were to not grow, we wouldn't be able to serve at, at, in a greater capacity. So I think it's important to continue evolving personally mm -hmm. and seeing how that um, affects the work that we're doing in really positive ways as well. And it's helping uh, give voice to many that have been underserved or didn't feel like they had a voice. So mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that, I mean, among many <laughs> why I continue to be such a fan of your work um, is because I see those shifts and, you know, as I've been following you and, and seeing you have the courage to call things out, you know, I've, I've seen that a few times and I'm like, right on, you know, the, this is one of the reasons why we have these platforms is to be able to address, you know, things that are unjust and uh, that are not giving people that space to, to feel that they belong, you know, because it, it, it needs to be inclusive. So, so yeah, I think that's great that you continue to make that, part of your lens that you're seeing things through, you know, it's important. Um, one of the things is I want to just shift a little bit to talk about um, what are some of the challenges that maybe the biggest challenges that you get from parents who are learning about the topics that you, t you talk about that are related to trauma that they may have a hard time with? Like, is there something that kind of is a repeat question or, challenge that you get asked the most? Because I know you also do private coaching and consulting as well, right? Yeah. And the, through the private coaching, that is where I'd say like 95% of folks that hire me for one-on-ones, it's, it's related to trauma. It's either related to their own trauma that is 
making the experience of parenting triggering and, and especially, and as it relates to their children being sexual beings, right. Um, or they're, they're raising children who've experienced trauma and, and many times as we talk and we explore, um, they disclose that they've experienced trauma. So it's, it's, you know, figuring out what are the best next steps? Am I, am I supporting my child's sexual health in a sex positive way? Because folks are wanting to be sex positive, but are questioning or second guessing where the, the, the limits or the boundaries go, how open do they need to be? And often because they, they may have experienced sometimes too much openness or um, unsafe touch, you know, or trauma themselves. And so the, the lines can feel really fuzzy and really blurred and it can be helpful to speak to someone. And, and the, you know, the problem is, is that our society doesn't normalize these conversations. Right. It doesn't create the spaces that allow people to access the information. It's, in secrecy, it's, it's private, you know, and so people are more apt to feeling shame mm-hmm. if their child is displaying what is actually normal, you know, healthy elements of, of their sexual development. They can feel shame, you know, over that and question yeah. that, whether it's related to their child is masturbating or their child is seeking to to touch, you know, other children's genitals or, um, or is being, you know, really touchy feely with their own parents or, or they're, they've seen, you know, porn or, you know, things like that, right? These are very, very common things that folks uh, want to discuss and want to Mm. understand more about. And I, and I wish that our culture did a better job of taking these conversations out of the shadows Mm -hmm. so that people uh, because people are, are worried. They're afraid that their child is going to be labeled, you know, as a perpetrator or as problematic or as unsafe. Right. And that, ha- that happens, you know, that happens. And so recently I wrote an article that I'd kind of had formulating in my brain for over a year. And I finally got, you know, my, my, all the thoughts and the words together because I do have to be really intentional about mm-hmm. how I communicate on these topics. Um, so you don't that was a blog post goals. on your uh, a blog post on your uh, website, right? Yes, and this yeah, one I think I just do, read it. Yeah, it had to do with um, essentially, you know, when children are exploring each other's, you know, genitals or are the playing doctor kind of scenarios, and so yeah, so that that I wrote that because that is one of the things that comes up most often in the private conversations and the coaching or when folks reach out via email or direct message, it, it has to do with that. Them not feeling very clear, or confident about what is actually normal, what is healthy and how to respond to it. Right. And, and so, so yeah, that, yeah. that was actually a really good article. Um, sorry, I mean to cut you off there. I, I it was a, actually a really important article um, for me because I've had some of those fears as well from things that I've seen, you know, and so it really helped me with understanding that a lot more. And I I will definitely link that article in the show notes of the uh, podcast so anybody can find it. Um, And it's something that, uh, funny enough, I was planning on sharing in my uh, Facebook group. I have a private Facebook group for parents, um, consent parenting, and had a question that came up. And so when I was doing a little bit of research, I came upon that article. Um, so I wanted to share it in the group as well. So again, I'll link that in the show notes because I think that was a really important one and definitely is something that triggers. And this was, this question came from somebody who doesn't have any trauma history, but was seeing it and was like having, you know, because they grew up in a very conservative home and just wasn't sure, you know, the daughter is like, wanting to kiss boys and saying that she likes them. And she says, you know, she's only four years old. Like, uh, do I need to be worried? Like, she's just asking for things too quickly. Like, you know, so um, it's, it's an experience that I think most parents have because of, I think just how they feel 
society is just so over-sexualized and they're afraid that their kids are going to jump the gun or some, you know, however they, they mm-hmm. will tend to phrase it. But I think it's, there's so many challenges that parents have. And this is one of the biggest, I think, in terms of getting comfortable with their own sexuality to start with. Like if you're not comfortable with your own sexuality or you have traumas that are not healed mm-hmm. and you're stepping into this and you know that you have to have these conversations because you want to, one, educate them, but also protect them and just inform them to have healthier relationships down the line. Um, it's important. And I love that you offer that coaching and that, you know, one-on-one for people who can, you know, come and see that because I don't see that offered other than to go to a therapist, which kind of becomes a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and is not really, you know, they're not sex educators as well. So mm-hmm. I love that. So just to start wrapping up a little bit, because I, you know, I could talk to you for hours, <laughs> but I know you're a busy lady. So um, what is, can you tell me a little bit about what your vision and mission is with sex positive families? Because I know you've gone through some different iterations of your offerings. You were doing a membership, but you, I know that you, you have been kind of teasing to say that there's some different things coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can disclose that yet or kind of just give us a, an idea of what you see this platform continuing to be or evolving into? Yeah. So, uh, you know, our goal is helping folks raise sexually healthy children. So that, that is what it has been and that's what it definitely remains. And I, through all of the kind of testing around, you know, in these last uh, couple of years, I've had the opportunity to play with different mediums to kind of figure out, how can families, you know, best access this? And also having your own business, like you, you got to also think about, well, what, what do I really enjoy doing and what is really sustainable? So that's where I've been fortunate to kind of play around with like podcasting. I did a season of podcasting, doing, you know, videos, doing uh, courses and doing Facebook groups and digital downloadable resources and tools So in terms of what's ahead, I will say that right now I've had to kind of slow some things down and that has a lot to do with just bandwidth on my end. So because of the role that I have, my my day job, it is consuming a lot of my creative energy. I do a lot of workshops and trainings and so I do a lot of like content development there. And I'm again, very fortunate that it's all in sex ed. So I'm mm-hmm. just sex ed day and night. <laughs> and so I, I'm really grateful for that. But it's meant that I've had to kind of slow down with SPF. And that's been, that's been good. It's been, it's, it's created some like healthy balance because social media can really be like really, it can take over, you know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not careful. And the community that, uh, in terms of the social media aspect of things, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, those two platforms primarily, and they're very engaged audiences um, of over, like, I think the Instagram is almost 70,000, and then the Facebook page is uh, over 50,000. And so, you know, that's a lot of folks that are plugged in, Mm -hmm. they are having conversations and they're sharing the content and so I feel really honored to be in the position to curate and create content that people can trust you know that it that aligns with sex positivity sexual health and families so I really enjoy that and I want to continue to do that I want to continue to provide spaces that uh, around social media and as long as these platforms don't delete us because that's right. something that you know we have to deal with with SESTA FOSTA and all of that but that's a focus and then I'm working right now on an update to our digital downloadable resource which is our guide to raising sexually healthy children uh, I've got meaningful updates that are happening that really transition it more to a kind of a workbook mm. for families um, and so I'm excited to roll that out in the coming months once I get that finalized and working with an illustrator and nice. all of that. Yeah, yeah. So really excited about that. Um, and then I do, you know, speaking engagements and workshops um, as I'm able 
And I, I, I look forward to in 2020, depending on how my, my primary job goes, the grant is supposed to end June 2020, so that might open up the possibility for me to be able to do SPF full-time. And mm -hmm. once I'm able to do that, then I can explore some of these other ideas and, and kind of products that I really want to be able to create. But again, I have to have the bandwidth. So, right. Right. so I'd, I'd love to, to, to do more. And I know I get asked a lot about, you know, why don't you do this? Or you should write a book or... <laughs> you know, all the things, you know, yeah. and like, okay, I, I, I want to do those things, but I have to have the space for it. So for sure. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. And you have to do the self care to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, you're continuing to have the capacity for, for the things that you want to do. So I get that, especially being, yeah. you're a mama as well as, yeah. you know, just doing all the things. So I think I, and I didn't realize that you were doing like that, that was, what you were doing full time. And, you know, I mean, I think SPF is also a full time because like you were saying, like social media is a beast. Like you, mm -hmm. you know, and especially with a following that large, yeah. there's people that are like, I mean, I, I see your comments and it's like getting back to people and all of the things. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. And you have two interns now, which is great. So that's helped you a bit yeah. to like manage some of those pieces. So I'm excited for, the that other you know stage but it's amazing that people can just tap into all of the posts i mean you have such an amazing library already of content that people can peruse and learn so much your just website. from your website and yeah. i also want to um you know i'm definitely gonna of course post the link to your website so that people can download the uh, pdf guide that you have available um your podcasts are on there which are still like definitely check those out I one in particular that in my beta group that I um, I mean I posted a few things of of your content there YouTube videos and your podcast mm -hmm. talking about tricky people um, I know for my audience that's something really important for them and it's interesting because when I started working on my content and and course specifically it was very intentional to make sure it wasn't fear-based right because mm -hmm a lot of parents also have that reaction of, I don't want to scare my kids, but how do I, you know, educate them on this? So for me, it was very much about uh, positioning empowerment versus, you know, fear and not also making sexuality the villain in mm -hmm. teaching this kind of stuff. So I yeah, so prepare, not scare. That's yes. our taglines is prepare, not scare. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So is there anything that you wanted to share? I know I asked you a lot already, but is there anything that I maybe didn't share that you'd like to uh, mention to the audience? Again, my, my audience is, is diverse, but um, a lot of them ha have that, you know, they're looking through at the world through, unfortunately, a trauma lens, and they still have some fears around sexuality. Is there anything that you would like to share with them to help them maybe perceive sexuality in a different lens or to, to start looking at it in a different lens that could lead to something healthier, uh, a perspective where it's more pleasure-based for them? I, I'd just say that basically being the kind of adults, the kind of caring adult that you wish you'd had, that you needed when it comes to this, um, really taking a look at your own journey and what has that looked like and uh, securing yourself with the kind of support that you may need, which can look differently for everyone. And so it's wonderful that there are programs like yours that people can tap into because community, these, these topics can, the, the shame and the taboo can lead to a lot of isolation. Mm -hmm. and so it's important that people can connect to uh, and this is where the internet is awesome because there are a lot of folks that are living in areas that are not supportive. Uh, mm -hmm. They're part of communities, whether they're religious or not, you know, that, that do not allow for the types of conversations that are possible in these, in these spaces. And so just seeing the journey as that, as a journey, not a destination, mm -hmm. and that it's ever evolving, that it's changing, and that it is something that you can do with 
your children. It is not something you, it's not about perfection. It's very much about being available. And so it is important that parents prioritize nourishing themselves and tending to their own sexual health, whether there's trauma involved or not. Um, because mm -hmm. many of us may not even realize trauma or consent violations that we've had. And so, um, so it's good to be plugged in and connected to support, to resources, and, um, and seeing that it is something that is, is a journey. And so yeah. giving yourself the grace and the compassion along the way. It's not about saying the exact right things, you know, it's just being there, being available. Yes, I love that. Perfectly stated. Thank you. Well, Melissa, this has been an amazing pleasure to chat with you today. And I know my audience is going to love it. And how can they find you? What, is, what are the places that you prefer people go to to connect with your uh, content? Yeah, so uh, our website is sexpositivefamilies.com. And there you can find a wealth of resources and uh, definitely connect with me through there, um, whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching or sending me an email and our social media. So on Facebook, we're at Sex Positive Families is our Facebook page. You can go like us there and you'll get daily content uh, that is around raising sexually healthy children. And then Instagram is at sex positive underscore families. So yeah, so we appreciate anyone that decides, you know, to, to, to be a part of our community space and, and to connect with us. And a lot of people end up connecting not only to other resources and other educators, but even just to other parents and mm -hmm. other caring adults who are out there. And we also have a lot of teens that follow us, which is yeah. super exciting. I mean, yeah. it's exciting because they're tapping into reliable content. And at the same time, sometimes it can, it can, um, it can feel sad because, you know, they're, they're disclosing the fact that, that the, ho the household that they're growing up in is not uh, so sex positive, but I'm always honored that they feel safe um, and that they're getting a chance to, to be connected to um, the information that will help shape the kind of uh, young person and then adult that, that they choose exactly. to be to their sexual health. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny, I noticed, uh, I've noticed a few times people posting to say, I don't have kids, but yeah. I feel like I'm learning. <laughs> there are adults yeah. that, you know, just didn't have that. And they're, you know, realizing, okay, I, I have this opportunity even before I have kids, if I want to have kids, but uh, just to realize that this is something they didn't get and they're able to access it now. So yeah. I think it's, you have a, such a diverse community. I love yeah. it. It's very yeah. much a healing um, thing you know when we can when we can support the sexual health of a young person we're actually healing our own inner child in that process so i like yes. for people to understand that this platform is not just for parents um it's we're, we all have influence whether it's to the child within ourselves or to other children in this world it's of benefit for all of us to connect with how we can be more sexually healthy yeah Perfect. Well, that was the perfect way to end this. Again, Melissa, thank you so much. I'm going to, of course, uh, link all of those links in the show notes um, so people can find you. And I just want to tell you again, I really appreciate everything you're doing and wish you much continued success. Thank you. I'm very honored to be connected and I'm excited about the work that you're doing. So thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the About Consent podcast. I stand for consent culture, shame-free sexual literacy, orgasm equality, and our right to freedom and truth. If you stand for this too, be sure to subscribe. And I would be most grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and review on iTunes so that others may also find this information. Share this podcast with everyone you know so we can start to create consent culture one conversation at a time. My friends, the revolution is here. Get on board.